0: Praise God. I feel like we've had church already. Amen? It's good. I had uh, just an amazing time. I think I told some of you here last weekend about... If you, how many were here last Sunday? Okay, about half of you. Um, I'm going to try to summarize. If you have not been able to um, listen to last week's uh, sermon, I'd really encourage you to do that. I feel like, first of all, when uh, Bill Johnson preaches a similar message as my spiritual papa that I get, of course, it's the year of breakthrough, it's the year of refreshing, but I just felt like the Lord was on it last week about where we're going and where we're headed as a body of believers. So if you haven't had a chance to do it, hook on the pod, podcast, just get on it, and let the Lord uh, minister to you and get in agreement. We started the 40-day fast if you haven't joined us in the fast, I want to encourage you, ask the Holy Spirit. But well, we're in a 40-day fast until February 10th, the night to shine. We'll, uh, we're going to have dinner at the night to shine and celebrate, amen, the end of our fast. Well, we're asking the Lord for breakthrough for a city, for a nation. I'm going to share some things, and I've asked Pastor Mike to share also a little bit about what happened last weekend, December uh, 30, 31st, up and done. It clearly was an amazing weekend. Um, let me pray first. If you have not, encouraged encourage you, if you have not signed up to volunteer for Night to Shine, it's rare that I exercise pastoral authority, but I want you to join up, sign up. We need you. We're going to bring in the city. This is an opportunity. Remember, when you when you care for the broken and the poor, God can't stay away from that. We know that as a testimony. You'll hear some things about last year, but, but I just... Um, yeah, I have a special needs heart. I had a brother and daughter, and some of you know, when we pour out, it's just going to be in a minute. We're not holding back anything. We're going to set up a tent with a limousine. They're going to come in. They're going to, it's going to be on the patio. It is going to, but we need probably over 100 volunteers. Yeah. So please, um, this is not a night. You can send, you can spend, we got one little training session you can sign up for. There's one, actually two. Uh, we'll have a short half-hour training session in a couple of weeks. We'll be announcing that um, just to get everybody. But you have to be registered in order to volunteer. You can't show up Friday night and said, I'll help, because they do actually look at some things in the background. So everybody got it? Yes. Amen? Yes. All right. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for worship that just rocks our soul. Thank you for the prophetic and revelation that brings encouragement and hope. God, I thank you. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We want all the gifts to be in full operation. We want wisdom and knowledge, discernment. Lord, we want faith that brings miraculous healings, prophetic tongues interpretation, helps, compassion, teaching gifts, fivefold ministry gifts, administrative gifts. Lord, we ask you to empower your people both in their workplace, in their places of their homes, in schooling, and in the ministry areas. God, we thank you that, Holy Spirit, you're able to do far and exceedingly abundantly above what we'd ask you to do. We ask that you'd empower your people. But Lord, would you empower it with the fruit of the Spirit because gifts and power without love and fruit is just dangerous. So I ask for that love and joy and peace and goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, mercy, and lots and lots of self-control, that the fruit combined with the giftings of Holy Spirit's presence, and then, Lord, dress us up in the armor of God, that we can walk in the places you've called us to walk. God, I ask you to help us this morning. Share with us what you want to share this morning, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you will if you don't have a handout, just raise your hand. We'll get one for you. They were in the uh, bulletin this morning, but if we could get a few of those, there's a couple of hands up. If you'll turn to the one that says Global River Church Year 2016 in review. Real short synopsis. Uh, in a few weeks, our treasurer, will, uh, Brian Moore, will be giving us some of the overview of the finances. And it's been actually, 2016 was a An exceedingly abundantly year in many aspects of ministry. I like what uh, Pastor Kenny said this morning when he read out of John fifteen at the opening of the service. Those that are attached to the vine, I am the vine; you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But when you're attached to the vine, fruit ought to be there. What didn't he say? You'll know them by their fruit. There are a lot of folks that speak about a lot of things, but you'll know by looking at life and circumstances around their lives, is there fruit in it? And then we need discernment to know whether it's a battleground with the enemy or it is just a situation that is open. I want you to see tremendous fruit that came out of 2016. First of all, um, as we look in this rearview mirror, what would be some of the statistics or things you could look at that you could say, wow, God. First of all, that first bullet, I said, we say goodbye to family and friends, those that receive promotions to the cloud of witnesses that are now waiting for us to finish our race. Why don't we turn here? Oh, but you open your word for a moment? Let's just digress for a minute and look at Hebrews chapter 11. I was thinking about this this morning. In fact, the cloud of many witnesses, I heard that statistic recently that there are more believers this side of heaven than there are currently in heaven, how they figure all that out. But there's been such an outpouring of uh, evangelism and faith in this last century since the last major moves of God. So there's this cloud of many witnesses that uh, the writer of Hebrews writes in Hebrews 11. This whole chapter is the chapter of faith. It goes on about how they operated in faith and received, many of them received their reward, but many did not. In fact, some were tortured and killed, and it goes and lists Joseph's faith and Isaac's faith and Moses' faith, even Rahab's faith. It says in uh, chapter 11, verse 33, it says, "...by faith these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword." Their weakness was turned to strength, and they became strong in battle, whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. Then is the other, the rest of the story, those who were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. Think of those those men that were lined up, there's like 40 of them lined up before ISIS, and they could renounce Christ or be beheaded. And to a man, they all refused to renounce Christ. These are the ones he's talking about. Those who refused to turn. They replaced their hope and better life of the resurrection. Some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Verse 37, some died by stoning. Others were sawed in half, and others were killed with a sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute, oppressed, and mistreated. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Verse 39, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Verse 12, verse uh, chapter 12, 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion. Awaiting him, he endured the cross. He's the one who perfects our faith. King James says this, whereas the New Living Translation says a crowd of witnesses, King James says a cloud of witnesses. Let us strip off every weight, the sin that easily besets us, run with patience the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Aren't you glad he authored this thing and he finished it? When he hung there, he said, it's finished. He really meant it. It's just waiting for the mop-up of this thing to be done and with the joy set before him. So I want us to see. We said goodbye to many loved ones this past year. And there was a bunch of stuff that happened that we would not have chosen. We're glad that's over. But now, God, we're joined with this cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on, waiting for us to finish our race. I want you look at some of the statistics. I think I shared this last week. I went through my journal of last year's 2016, the second bullet down that says significant growth in the network. We had prophetic word. We pulled up the last two years of prophetic words from Bob Hazlitt, Jamie Galloway, Jeff Struss, Leif Hetland. We 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 just we couldn't believe Abner Suarez and the consistency of many of the things. We got really excited. That just like, wow God, if the the fulfillment of these things, well, it's already the network. One of the things was the growth of the network. Forty-five church plants last year. Just get a hold of that a second. Forty-five church plants, well over 6,000 conversions to the faith, mostly from Hindus, that have come and joined the 45 new churches. We have 37 in Bible college right now, 30 in India, Seven in various stages of Nepal and our Nepalese girls that are actually in their master's degrees in India. 37, they're the ones that are going to plant churches, that are going to be part of an outreach to their nation. You made that all possible. The seminaries that are pumping out these students that are on fire we're going to go visit some of the new churches. They're waiting for the team that's going to go in March. We're going to go to India, Nepal, and then on to Shanghai. And we're going to lay hands on and cut ribbons at these new churches. We're bringing over 400 pastors and wives together that are part of the Global River Network. That are going to, we're going to lay hands on them. We've taken over some hotels in India and Nepal, and they're bringing them all in. We're paying their way. They're going to take bus rides, some of them train rides, 40 hours to get to us. Because they want the impartation of fire. And so my, my leader in India called me and says, I saw what you're pressing in. Hosea 6.3, pressing in to know the Lord. That is our call. We're going to put that all over the network throughout Asia. We're going to press in this year. Our people are fasting. They have joined in in a 40-day fast. Thousands, over 100,000 Global River believers. And I'm telling you, these folks, they're, they're not shy about their fasting. We're going to see a major, major move of God. So God, I thank you. The outreaches, the outreaches that we did here locally abroad across the nation between Ignite Azusa, the LA tent mission trip to Skid Row, the stadium that was filled out in LA, the Dunn tent Ignite in May, the Love Dayton trip with Randy Clark. We had 46 deliverance teams operating in the... Location there that came in, how many thousands came to Christ. We knocked on every door inside the city limits of Dayton, Ohio. The Massachusetts tent revival in October. Then they came directly. A word from God came to Pastor Mike and and, uh, Mike Hogan directly. Cry responded. We joined with them. Word came in, and then food came in from food pantries. We went to Hurricane Matthew Relief in Fayetteville, and then done the boots on the ground the eight times we went to the projects this thursday we had 112 families come to our food pantry we got to have a building god you got to help us we're working with the authorities now to get a release of some of our land building plans we just need money and agreement but we got to have a we got to have a building right now we're falling out of the seams the people that are coming it's just then the outreach is to all the other partner ministries, Warrior Family, Joel 2, Global Awakening, Crisis Response International, Global Legacy, Battelle Ministries, Mayos in Israel, Life 90.5, Lifeline Pregnancy. In a couple of weeks, Cynthia Dare will be here from Lifeline Pregnancy, and she's going to tell us about the babies that were saved. Next month is, is the promise. The end of this month, the first part of next month, is Life Month. God, I pray that we'll continue to see this outreach. Then, all the other ministries that you have supported and put your hands to children's ministry, youth ministry, the life groups, outreaches. I want to just say thank you from Global Rivers leadership, from my heart, from the board of directors, from the staff. Thank you. Thank you, all of you. We couldn't do this. If you have not been involved, I ask you to just find your place. It says every joint supplies. If you'll find your place and you'll just give a little bit of your time and your energy, you'll be different. I promise you. You can't outgive God. You know that as a, as a promise. So as we close 2016's chapter and we look at 2017, I want to say thank you. I want to ask Pastor Mike if he'll come and See if he can somehow put a cap on (laughs) the major points of what came out of December 30th and 31st. And then I want to pray into that and finish the sermon on it. Awesome.
1: Amen. How's everybody doing? Doing good. Awesome. It's a lot of good things going on, isn't it? So I just want to uh, highlight real quick for a few moments and uh, turn this back over to Pastor Tom. So um, were those in Where who was all able to make it? Last week in that conference, yes, it was at an awesome time. It was amazing. I don't even know how to put into words what happened, but um, I'm going to do my best. But uh, just, I just want to share about two or three highlights, taking back. I learned when you go to a meeting, you ever been to a meeting that just challenges you or just just changes your life or you know something different happened in that meeting? I've just learned that when I go home, I just sit with the Lord and I'm like, okay, Lord, what are the themes, what are the highlights of what you're saying? And so one of the first ones that really jumped out was the worship. The worship in that place was marked. It was marked. And um, it, no one, it was done the way no one could get, no single person or ministry could get the credit except for Jesus. But we had spots in the worship where there was no more instruments needed. And angels filled that place. We, we had about a dozen people really account and testify that they actually heard not one, not two, but a choir of angels singing in the room. You could actually feel them. You could hear them. Perfect pitch and harmony. I was talking to Matthew Lilly, who led worship uh, for the meeting this past week. And he he said, dude, I heard sounds coming out of that room that, as a musician, I can't give an explanation for. He said something was happening, something was different. So I just, I, I, the, the, the worship in that meeting was unbelievable. But what is that saying to us? I don't know. I'm filled with excitement and hope because I feel that this year we're stepping into something different. And I believe after that meeting up there, it was like heaven came that much closer to earth. I mean, you could feel the the, the joining. Um, so I, the worship was unbelievable. I got delivered in worship. There was a time up there where uh, Pastor Tom got a word to take people up on the stage to dance. And I'll, I'm, I'll, I like to dance, you know, in the seat. But uh, I have a hard time going on the stage to dance. And he's like, no, I think you need to come up. And so us and a few other, we went up and danced. And I am so glad I did. And Because, <laughs> <when I, laughs> you know, I'm a big guy. So, you know, dancing is like, you know, it's like a lot of moving parts. So... But I did not care about that, and it was like I got delivered, and, and I, I had some personal breakthrough that happened. You know, just like this morning, like the, the, the personal discouragements or disappointments we all go through, they just fell off. So, again, that was, just, that was just amazing. I look forward to more meetings like that in this church and everywhere we go in the future. But um, the other second thing that I wanted to share was the connecting of leaders that was a huge highlight for this meeting. And our hearts were really able to bond with Lou Engel and Dean Briggs, uh, the guy that works for him for the call. And uh, we, we just got so excited and feeding off one another of how God is moving in the Carolinas. I mean, he has highlighted this region to, to national leaders, regional leaders. And I mean, there is a real big stirring. So, you know, they're they're gonna do a gathering called Azusa East. In 2018, at Charlotte in the Bank of America Stadium. And uh, the thing they're really looking for us to be, uh, help and uh, encourage and support them. So we were talking a lot about that. But, but what was amazing, even beyond that, was the connection of these leaders. Because in the midst of like, this conference, was you had your apostolic and prophetic people, leaders like us in our stream. You also had traditional Pentecostals. And, you know, usually the two don't merge. But, but we had two leaders in there, heads of the entire denomination. One of them was Dr. Doug Beecham, who is the superintendent, bishop, slash, ruler, slash, I don't know all the things. But he is over the whole international Pentecostal holiness church out of Oklahoma. It's about 5 million people. 5 million. I mean, he's responsible for 70,000 plus churches. And his his denomination was birthed out of this casual revival. So he had it in his heart to come, and he came from Oklahoma. On the other side of that coin is another denomination called the Pentecostal Free Will Baptist. I don't know if some of you heard, may not have heard, but um, they're a smaller denomination, but they're in the southeast, probably about 80,000, 100,000 members today. Their superintendent, the head of all of that, was also in the meeting. Now, what was interesting is, these two leaders, historically, in the movement 110 years ago, they were intended to merge. They, they were intended to become one body. But for some reason, we don't know, it's a 100-year mystery, the PFWB never consolidated with the IPHC and the other Pentecostals. And they just kind of were to the side. So that's been a 100-year mystery. Well, these guys, you know, they basically believe the same thing. The two leaders have never met. And they met in this gathering. And it was brought together that they did communion together the last night. Come on. So, like, what does that mean? What are you saying? I'm saying that God highlighted covenant. And he brought two movements back into covenant That was never originally intended. You know, it it, it happened in that meeting. There's this convergence of movements and streams and the dialogue they were having. Who knows what could happen? They could begin to merge and really work closer together. So we were just really stirred by that. The last thing is um, we went to the site with Chief Joseph and uh, his wife, uh, Lou, and a few other of us were there, and we prayed at that site. And, man, the Lord spoke to me so clearly when I came home, I put it in my journal, and the Lord said one of the significant things of this meeting was I've been showing you and telling you that the Carolinas is the gate to the entire south. It is the entry into the south. And we've been praying that. I know, I know there's been a prayer in our heart. God, give us North Carolina. Give us the Carolinas. And he said it's been the gate. And we've been in the season where that's being established. But what was different in this meeting is he said, but the gate is now opened. It's opened. How? Think about that. The gate to the south is opened. Here's a question I had to the Lord, because our church has a unique call. If we're called to revival, if we're really called to the region, to the land, then how do you practically, you know, being a pastor is one thing you pour, you have a responsibility to pour into people, into the sheep. But how do, as a revivalist house in a culture that that Lord is establishing us as, how do we practically pour into the land? And I asked the Lord that through this meeting. You know what he said? You pour into the leaders of the land. You pour into its leaders. That's what happened in this meeting. God collected all these leaders and opened up opportunity where we could pour into one another. And, man, I'm just filled with great hope and just great things of what God's going to do. And I'm telling you, the fire of God is coming. The fire of God is coming. So that's it. Pastor
0: Tom. Thanks, Pastor Mike. Wow. Last week I went into more detail than, uh, am I on? Yeah, good, okay. I went into more detail than I can right now, but um, there was this knitting of Lou Engel's heart to, to ours and knowing that the South and North Carolina is the connection point. You know th- there are different bodies and different body parts. We love all the bride of Christ. It's not wise to call any part of Christ's body part ugly. You right? You don't call somebody's bride ugly. So we but we know who we are. We're we're called to revival, to the signs and wonders, to going to nations, to lighting fires. That's what we're about. That's what we've been about. So our call, our role. So to be in this place In the location where the outpouring happened in Dunn, North Carolina, Lou Engle's there. He spent 16 years of his life going after revival fires and the call to stamp out um, abortion, to stand in that place, to gather people, and to have him realize you guys are a major part of what's going to happen. And so our hearts were knitted now. Once, I don't know why the Lord has allowed us over the years to be in relationship with Heidi Baker, Bill Johnson, Randy Clark, Leif Hetland, Jack Taylor. There's something in the move. When this thing explodes and it's going to explode, the question is, will you be in the river or not when it explodes? Yeah. If you're in the river, you're, it's going to take us places that are going to set things in motion that are going to cause us to see things that we've longed all of our life. And it's going to amaze us beyond what... Oh, my goodness, God. We've been able to be in some places that, oh, God. But the knitting of that, when that happens, you're going to need all hands on deck. It's going to be important. It says, you know, when revival starts and you're going round the clock and who knows, how, I told you it's messy. We need to be able to call up Lafe head and says, we're worn out. Can you bring a crew from, from wherever for two next two weeks? Heidi Baker, can you come? We need you to help. Bill, send your teams. That's why I believe the Lord has put it together. So when we were at the revival site, and the Indian chief said, black, white, Indian chief, they're there, we're like, and they said, no, you don't understand how significant this is. We're at the cornerstone of the tobacco barn where this outpouring started. It's right here, the seven cedar trees that she believes are relationally part of the seven spirits of God, and then the major tree to the point, and we're on the ground, bang, bang, she says, we have to do a prophetic act right now. And we're just, and we're asking the Lord to open the ground, open the ground. We're beating on the, open the Lord, open up this ground. There's a sound that's coming out, and the Indians there, the they repented on behalf of all the stuff that's happened in the past. This was their land stolen from them. We know reconciliation. There's no more of that. We're now clean before you. This group is before you, God. Then we walk into the, the pastor of the church, an African American pastor who's, I, I need to correct her, her name is Crumpler. Crumpler, right? Crumpler. Her name's Crumpler. And her associate pastor's name is Taylor. Well, Mike's going to unpack some stuff last, next week on this about what, what is coming, what we believe the, the revivalists of the past spoke over this season right now. We're going to pull that in next week. So don't miss next week. So th- anyway, we're there and we're in, the, we're in the church. And Lou says, we got to pray right now. God is up to some. we got to pray. And then that word came out from Chief Joseph. Ezekiel 40, verse 24. The gate towards the south is now open. In verse one, I read this to you last week. I won't go there, but I asked you as your homework assignment last week, if you were here, was to meditate on Ezekiel 40 and meditate on Psalm 24. I don't know if you had a chance to do that, but I'm just saying the gate is now open. The door to the south of what God is going to do. There is a great awakening coming. It is moving. Now, there'll be those that are completely unaware. But then there's going to be those who say, no, this is what we've been waiting. This is like that Joel 2 promise. Peter said, this is that. It's here. It's now here. There's going to be a move. Why? Because God is in the business of saving families and setting them free. So I want us to look at, let's just turn, turn over your hand out there. It says, doing things in God's perfect time. How many know there's a Kairos time? I love it, um, the, the testimony that Daniel and, and uh, Alicia had this morning. But in reality, normally in the natural, there's not a whole lot of flowers blooming right now. Right, Judy? Right, our flower lady. And so when there's, there's a season, in fact, if they bloom too early, they die. They get frosted. My wife's got plants covered with blankets in our yard. because we've got to cover and make sure they don't freeze. Well, so there's a perfect timing if you think about it, um, you don't harvest a crop. At my hunting club, I, they got 10 foot corn, soybean fields, and I'm like, whoa, wow. But you don't harvest that until it's ready, or you ruin the harvest. There's a season in God. That's why he said in Ecclesiastes 3, I've listed it there. Ecclesiastes 3 is God makes everything beautiful in its time. So there is a season. There's a season, and that's why I said last week, we're in the storyline of God. You've been written into the storyline of God. It's not some mistake that you're here now. This is not some circumstance. No, God leads the pathway of his people. Trust the Lord, do good, and lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him. Even when I wasn't acknowledging him, there might have been somebody like a mama praying for me, and God was directing my pathway And we get into this place, and all of a sudden, we're in this place for the season, for the Kairos move of God. So this is where the Holy Spirit knows about the perfect timing. Look at the top of this. The Holy Spirit knows when we're ready for the next season. He's not going to have the flower bloom in the wrong season. King David said, trust the Lord, take delight in Him, right, in Psalm 37. Commit everything you do to Him, but wait patiently for Him to act. This This is the hard part. God, do I... Sometimes when we go to the altar, I remember, "Hold on, Tom! Let go, Tom! Like what? Do I, hold on! Let go! I'm, ah, you know? Okay. When do I move? When do I wait, God? When do I wait patiently for you to act, and when do I walk into this thing? This is that tension that we feel in the spirit. Look at number one. We want to listen, hear, see, and then do. Jesus knew this. I just listed a couple of scriptures there. Number one, it says, when Jesus was 12 years old, he knew it was time to be about his father's business. Remember that one? Didn't you know, Mom and Dad, you lost me for three days? They lost the Son of God, that's bad. But Dad, didn't you, Mom, didn't, didn't you know I was about my father's business? He goes on and he says, we see in John 8.20 that he knew when it was not his hour. Why don't you turn there? Quickly turn to John chapter 8 verse 20 John 8:20 John 8:20 says Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the in the section of the temple known as the treasury but he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. King James says it this way, these words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple and no man laid hands on him for his hour had not yet come. See, when you're in the perfect plan and will of God and you're flowing with him, I don't care what the devil's doing and I don't care what the political system's doing. God is gonna have his way. God is going to have his way. And you're not going to be taken out before your time. As long as you're walking and flowing and your heart is with him, he's in it. And Jesus knew it. It says, they, they're not going to touch me right now. It's not my time. But you got to know the season you're in. Let's go on. It says, how about when it was, he knew it was time, turn a couple of chapters to the right to John 13, verse 1. John 13, 1, it says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world. King James says, the feast of Passover, he knew that his hour had come after he should depart from this world. When we're flowing with the Holy Spirit, we know the season we're in. What does he tell us through Amos? I don't do anything until I reveal it to the prophets in advance. I shared a couple of weeks ago about Trump being elected. There was no way he was not gonna be elected. When you look at Mark Taylor. His prophecy from 2011. You look at some of the other prophecies, Kim Clement's prophecy from 2007 at Reading. Go ahead and look those up. You'll be amazed at what you see. Israel has now vetted Mark Taylor. They said he is a prophetic person and he, he, he validated that the man Trump would be in office. Now, there's a lot of unhappy people. Probably half the church or half the, well, hopefully not half the church, but half the nation is. You need to get over it, move on with it. He's in place. It says in Romans 13, God puts in power those he wants in power. You may not have been happy with some of the other selections that got in, but we had to get behind Him and pray and believe God's going to do something. When it's God's season and timing, I don't know what he's up to, but he's in charge. And so knowing the season, how about this one, number two? The Apostle Paul followed the Holy Spirit's leading. At one point, the Holy Spirit told him not to go to Asia Minor. Remember the dream? He said, there's a guy from Macedonia. Paul was led by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't until later the Holy Spirit opened the door. That's in Acts 16.6. Number three, the tension between waiting and doing. For us who are the A-personality doers, it's like my wife will also say, Tom, take a breath. Take a breath, Tom. But, 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 Tom. Let's wait patiently for him to act. The tension between waiting and doing. How can we sharpen our hearing? I shared last week, this is our theme for the year at Global River Hosea 6 3, pressing on to know him. Oh, that we might know him. I went into Exodus 33, dealt with that in verse 13 about Lord. Moses said, Unless you go, I'm not going. And then, Lord, I want to know your ways. I don't want to just see the actions of God. Some come to revivals to get something. Healing needs, and that's fine. God's a provider. He's Jehovah Rapha. But there are those who come because of the presence. They actually add to the presence. They're part of the reason that he comes. And that was my call last week. I want us to look, and we're going to close this out. Turn with me to Psalm 24. How do we press on? What are some of the things? Number four there, I just said, you know, when, when he's called the word of God, I think he wants to speak. <laughs> right? Someone who's called the word of God is probably having a word. And he says in John 10, he says, my sheep hear my voice. So take a look at, let's take a look at Psalm 24. Maybe this will help, and I'll land this thing in. Ten verses, we studied this a few years ago, but I just want to put a new spin on it or increase our spin on it. Look at the first two verses. This is where the declaration that David, the psalmist, who is God? He is the creator. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He owns it. He owns everything. The world and all its people belong to him. Now, you might get into this argument when Jesus was tempted in the devil, came up to him and said, look, see all the kingdoms? I'll give it to you if you worship me. Jesus didn't argue with him. But when he got the keys back, three days in the earth after his death, before the resurrection, he went and got the keys back and said he led the captives free. At that point, he's got the keys back. That which our great, 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 great grandparents lost in the garden, we now have back. The Lord has them. It says, he has laid the earth's foundation and the seas and built the ocean's depths. Then he shifts. He says, so let me just clarify. He owns it all. Now you got that? Number two, it says, who then may climb the mountain of the Lord and who may stand in the holy place? Who can go be in his presence? This is, David's asking the the question in this psalm. He says, well then, if he owns it all, then how do you get to the top of the mountain with God? How can you go into this place? It's only those whose hands and their hearts are pure. King James says, those who have clean hands and pure hearts. Well, there's a place in the Scripture, Old Testament says, my heart is deceitfully wicked, who can know it? You ever get surprised by some of the things that, you're thinking or meditating? I was like, good Lord, Jesus. I'm glad that every thought is not mine, but that thing has got to go. And that's why he says, take every thought captive, right? In 2 Corinthians it says, take every thought captive unto the pulling down of demonic strongholds. He tells us not to be conformed in Romans 12. Not to conform to this world, but letting God change the way we think. And if you do that, he'll show you his perfect plan. So who can climb the? those who have chosen to walk in a level of purity. Now, this is not some works righteousness, but he does tell us to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So there's something about us putting our hand to the plow and not looking back, a desiring the holy place, not partnering with these things that are unholy and ungodly, letting when the thought comes in, taking that captive and running through the sieve of the Holy Ghost, that can't be you, God. And I bind that spirit, and now I loose the presence of God to come. Get into that spiritual warfare place of equipping yourself, encouraging yourself in the Lord. So who can climb this mountain? Only those whose hands and hearts. Those who don't worship idols. They don't ever, they never tell lies. King James says, their hands are clean, hearts are pure. They've lifted their, they will not lift their soul to vanity. Or they have not sworn deceitfully. So if you're a liar, what did he say? Lie no more. If you're a thief, steal no more. Those are the actions. So as you get ready to do your taxes, don't lie on your taxes. When you get caught doing something, don't lie. Take the medicine. Stand up. Be be one who says, no, I'm going to tell, be a truthful man. Let my heart be integritous before God. Who may climb this hill? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure. Those are, he owns it all. Those who are pure are going to see God and you're going to enter the holy place. And they will receive the blessing. See, why is this so important? When the Holy Spirit comes with power, those who are like Ananias and Sapphira, they will die in the presence. You cannot be in the moves and presence of God and carrying your sin in. You're going to get found out or you're going to get in trouble. And I'll just... I'm preparing you. I'm just ask, I'm preparing myself. We're in a fast. We're asking God, this is not works, but God, I want to go in a different place than we've ever gone before. That's right. Why do you want this, pastor? Verse 5, they will receive the Lord's blessing and have right relationship with God the Savior. He owns it all. Those who walk in purity desire to be in that place. They receive the blessing of the Lord and relationship with God. That's going to draw people in. Such people, verse 6, may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. Such people like he just described, they're going to be people that will worship in your presence. Then he shifts like what? Okay, he's... Validated he owns it all. Those who are going to walk in a holy place. Those who are desiring purity. Those who are going to receive the blessing. Those who are in relationship with him. All of a sudden, look what happens. Open up the ancient gates, O God. Open up the doors. Let the king of glory come in. See, if you can be in that place, then he can open the door. That king of glory can come in. He says, open up ancient. I love that terminology. Who? Lift up your heads, O ye Gates. And be ye lifted up everlasting, everlasting doors. This is kingdom doors. These are everlasting doors. He said the gates of hell will not prevail against this. He's been waiting in the storyline for over 110 years to finish this revival that was destroyed by racism. When the blacks and the Indians were kicked out, it died. Now God, but in a storyline, there is no time in God. The storyline has been, that's just a second ago. I got a group coming from Global River Church. They're in pursuit of me. In fact, I have fashioned their lives back to Richard Thornton, whose family lived in Dunn, whose grandma prophesied that one day, Lord, lift up one of my descendants that will be part of the revival. Come on. Why did he move Tom Houser? Why did my father get activated to go to the Marine Corps to fight in Korea in 1951 so that I could be born on Emerald Isle? Why is it that we're here? Why did I get transferred for GE here? Why did he put George Casola and the other elders in place for this season? Because their hearts are being knitted together. Why has he knit us together with the, this is not some circumstance. All he's looking for is, who are the people who will say, I will go? That's the ones he's asking about. That's when he says. When you do this, what's gonna happen? He's gonna pour out a fire. Why? I told you last week, if you can't get fired up, about revival in jail, revival, revival, revival. Then look at your children and your grandchildren. If there isn't a revival that comes to them, we can lose a generation. But when the revival comes, they're gonna come into that place where they're the little ones are gonna start doing miracles. I wait and I long for it. I I get so excited. I've told you so many times about the Jewish Orthodox guy who came here and a a 12 year old boy prophesied and he was healed in his shoulder. And then a nine year old girl laid hand on his knee and six months later, and he was healed. He goes back and he tells the prime minister of Israel, Netanyahu, what happened to him at a Global River church. And then I'm in Israel. Six months after that, and he gets up in front of Knesset members, in front of rabbis, in front of atheists, in front of business leaders, and he says, those people who laid hands on me and their church are here, why don't you come and get prayer? You can't ever manufacture this stuff. God is making a place where he's ready for us. He's positioning a people. Come on. Why open up the ancient gates? Why are we with some Indian chief on December 30th and 31st? Lord, open up the gates. Open up the gates, oh God. And the natural people go, you're just a bunch of weirdos. You're out there in the back by some tree banging on the ground? I'll be more undignified than that, oh God. Come on. We, we got another pastor friend, another pastor friend, Norris, who's in South Carolina, when he heard the L.A. thing was going on and there was a group of leaders coming, the Lord said, you fly out there and you lick the ground of the Street. He went out there, licked the ground, came back, and what are you, spit in the church? <laughs> and then boom, things happen. I'm tell- now, I-, I realize there's some strange things, and I'm not after strange for the sake of being strange. But when the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, even if your brain goes tilt, You do what the Holy Spirit told you to do. Because there's some strange characters in this book. Ezekiel who laid 390 days on one side and one another one ran around naked. God, please don't ever let me have that one. Right? But there's some things in this book of guys that just modeled and demonstrated that the love of God was more important than the fear of man. And so... Not everybody can make the trip, but when the trip happens and the things and the outpouring starts, when they start seeing the blessing of God, the ancient gates, when they met the prerequisites that David laid out, recognizing he's the Savior, recognizing they're climbing the mountain, they're walking up that place in purity and desiring God, that we want to see the blessings. When the blessings come, you can ask the gates to open. And the King of Glory and his train that fills the temple, what happens? Who? David then asked, well then, who is this King of glory? The, long, strong, the Lord strong and mighty, invincible in battle. Open up gates, open up the ancient gates, open up the ancient doors, and let the King of glory. Will you open up the gate of your heart? That's one of the questions. Well, we need to be baptized with the fire of God. Well, God knows where I am. If he wants to have a revival, he can come find me. Where's that in the book? Oh, come on. Those who hunger and thirst shall be filled. Those who seek and knock, at the door shall open unto them. Those who go passionate after him, let me have a zeal for the house of God. I'm asking you to get fired up. Lord, it's time for you to start looking in the book and asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, I want to get filled again. Next week, Pastor Mike, we're going to have a Holy Ghost party here. Pastor Mike and Doug Beecham, Beecham some amazing connections. When the Pentecostal leader of this region and Doug Beecham, when they came to me at the meeting in the front row and he said, here's my card. If you ever need anything, you call me. Oh, God. What is that?
1: Yeah.
0: Because they know by the Spirit we're connected and God is gonna do something in this day, in this age. Let the King of glory Lord of heaven's army, he is the king of glory. Well, let's stand. Come on, let's just stand. Number five, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're like, man, I don't know about all this kind of prophecy. What's that all about? Just read Thessalonians, okay? Just go read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He deals with several things there that are important for us to recognize Paul says, my final advice. 1 Thessalonians 5, you don't need to look. 12, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you, giving you spiritual guidance. Show them some respect, great respect. Live peacefully with each other. Hallelujah, that's great. Please. Brothers and sisters, warn those who are lazy and encourage them who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak and be patient with everyone. So, if you're lazy, here's your pastoral kick in the butt. Right? If you're timid, there is no fear anymore. Perfect love casts out fear. God, now, Lord, help me to be nice. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good with each other. Always be joyful. Woohoo! Glory to God. Help me with that one. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. Think of your worst circumstances and be thankful. That'll do something in your heart. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit and don't scoff at prophecies. Test everything. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way with your whole spirit and soul and body kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he calls you faithful. Lord, I pray right now. Lord, I pray that we, we don't want to miss anything. God, help us with the timing. Lord, don't let us go run somewhere to waste time and resource where you don't want us to be. But Lord, let us not shrink back or hold back anything. I'm asking you to fire up this body of believers, that everywhere they go, when you get dipped in the water that's pure and holy, you walk into places, the enemy's not going to like you, but the, the lost will come and ask you for help. So I'm asking for divine appointments, this week even, places where people in coffee houses, on the shopping line, family members, neighbors next door those who have been watching at the men's group tomorrow night, the ladies' group Tuesday night, God, I pray that you would infiltrate every place we go, that the Holy Spirit goes with us, and that our minds and our bodies, our souls, are energized to carry the kingdom. Would you forgive us for everything that we've done that has not been pleasing? And we thank you, Lord. We are in great expectation. We're sitting on the edge of our seat, waiting for you to move mightily so that we could be part. So I thank you, Lord. I pray for Lou Engel. I pray for the call that's being put together for 2018 in Panther Stadium. I thank you for all the connections in the networks, both abroad and across the states and in the state itself. Lord, I pray protection and blessing. I pray a protection specifically over my pastors here. Lord, over Pastor Michael. There was a group that got up and said, we need 30 hennas to cover him. Lord, right now I'm one of the Hennas. Lord, I pray right now we cover this body, all the leaders, that the division, the jealousies, the backbiting, the comparisons, all the wood that all that stuff goes under the blood right now. That we are one in You, God, one in Christ, working together. Ministries that You're going to connect us with, God. We're not interested in making any names for ourselves. We're not. This is that's crazy. We already read You're the King who owns it all. So, Lord, I pray right now for every family member that's going through something right now. Lord, I pray you'll break off every plan the enemy has and you'll release your presence in such a way that we see relational wholeness and hope. As we stood on the line this morning, God, I pray that gift of faith would move into places that we would see things that we maybe have prayed for for years and years because you're a God of the impossible. You're a God of miracles. You're a God who's for us and not against us. That all things will be possible if we believe you. So Lord, would you cover the church? Would you cover the elders and their wives? Cover the business leaders who, and all those who give of their tithes and offerings in their time. I pray for the night to shine. I pray for the outreach of the Warrior Conference. I pray for the, the burn outreaches, Lord. All the connections, the boots on the ground. The connections with all the ministries. Lord, let this city... Be ablaze for your purpose. I pray for Neil and the purposes in Seagate and and all that you're doing with one in Christ. God, the ultimate is we all need to be one with Christ. So I thank you, Lord, right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Ministry team, come on.